everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And we have our most popular guest ever back for round two. More popular than Cindy Crawford. That's serious. Yes. So Carly Heitlinger is joining us to talk about everything from pandemics to politics to proposals. To proposals. Lots of P's. Anything that begins with a P is fair game. Yes. Prenuptials? No. <laughs> proposals is a better way to say it. But before we get to Carly, how are you doing? Um, I am pretty good. How are you? I'm bad. Oh, yeah. You are bad. I'm she bad. came in hot. Um, Yeah. I'm bad. I can complain. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? I can complain endlessly. It really boils down to first that I have period cramps and second that we are starting to record Rom-Com Pod season two on Wednesday and it is like a hot fucking mess. It's going to be fine, but it is very stressful. Oh, we're recording on a Monday. Mondays I usually keep really clear and I like just work, 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 work. And so this is interesting, but I got up early and I Got a jump start on the day, and I'm actually feeling pretty good. Usually recording on a Monday would be something I don't want to do. I also have back-to-back meetings all day today, so I have lots of complaints. Okay. Well, what about highs? What's your high this week? Okay. So my high is that on Saturday, my uh, friends and I had another PowerPoint party. So we did one at the very beginning of quarantine, and I thought it was the most hilarious thing ever. And um, so we did another one. And the theme was high school crushes. Where are they now? Love that. So everyone made a PowerPoint of their top three to five high school crushes and then went and and like hardcore stalked them to see where they ended up. It was so funny. Like some of them were definitely hilarious in that like my friend Maxie's one of them went to jail. Oh, my God. Um, Like real jail? Real jail. Like real crime. Like dealing heroin. Heroin. Wow. Yeah. Okay. A, a few of Rachel's are gay now. What does that say? I don't know. Um, nothing really, nothing was really dramatic about mine. Um, one of them had a real glow up. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a smoke show now. Is he single? No. He's oh. married with a child. Oh, okay. You know, it was, it was hilarious though. It was a really funny Saturday night activity. Great. So that was my high. What's yours? My high... I feel like my high is always the same thing. I had really good Zoe time this weekend. Zoe is my niece. Um, and so my cousin Sarah, who I haven't seen since the beginning of quarantine, Sarah is one of my favorite people um, and lives in the city, but we've all been being really careful. And she was quarantined in Connecticut for a lot of um, a lot of the pandemic. But she's back and she came to Brooklyn and the three of us took Zoe to the park. Zoe is I got to meet Zoe the other week. Yes, you did. What did you think? She's a wild animal. She's so cute. She is so cute. So Zoe is now obsessed with me, like full on obsessed. And honestly, there is nothing better than having a child be so obsessed with you. She calls me ghee, like like the butter, like um and wants Guy to push her, wants Guy to hold her, like wouldn't let my sister push her on the swing, wanted me and it was just very enjoyable having her love me that much. We have this really big white cotton um, stuffed animal that I got for my sister because it looks like a gigantic version of her cat. And she brought it back to me 
last week because she doesn't want it in her house. So then I brought it back to her. So we just like keep passing this gigantic stuffed animal back and forth. We did sidewalk chalk. Zoe proceeded to draw with sidewalk chalk all over the white cat. So the cat's now like yellow and pink. That's kind of even better. Yeah. And it was just a really good visit. And then afterwards, Sarah came over and we sat in the patio and we had some rosé and it was like such a nice little afternoon. That's so nice. Yeah. I'm excited to see Sarah. We're going to dinner this weekend. Yes. All three of us. Yes, we are. I'm excited. I'm excited too. What, what about lows? Well, <laughs> so I gave you the preview of my low. So the crux of my low is that so we're we're getting ready to record Rom-Com Pod season two. It's always stressful right before production. The script isn't done. We don't have the male lead cast. We're starting to record in 48 hours. Like it's not great. It will end up fine. I think the learning here is that we probably needed an extra month, but because this is season two is topical and it has to do with the election, we kind of need it to go out in October. Like it can't, we can't just be like, it'll be fine. We'll We'll put it out over Thanksgiving. Um, so we don't have a lot of flexibility and we did a bad thing to ourselves. Oh, no. But we're managing. Yeah. I'm not thriving this week. I'm surviving. Yeah. Been so there. definitely been there. But I'm excited. I think once I get to the recording, once we like get over the next 48 hours, it'll be exciting. Yeah. What is your low? My low, I don't really have a low. I'm just not very motivated um, and I don't really want to do anything, but I have a ton of work. I was, I've been feeling very down and, and when I've been sad, I've been just kind of letting myself be sad and now like I'm starting to feel better and I also have all these deadlines and just shit I have to do Uh-oh. that I've been putting off, but it's fine. I'm going to, I should be out of the weeds by the end of the week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's take a quick desperation minute before we talk to Carly. We haven't done one in the last couple episodes, but if you're enjoying this podcast, we would deeply appreciate it if you went to the Apple Store and left us a review. It helps with the rankings. It helps new people discover us and know that we're legit. We would deeply appreciate that. Or take a screenshot of yourself listening to this episode and share it on your Instagram story. Even if you only have five followers, like tell them that you're enjoying this podcast because hearing about it from a friend is so meaningful versus, you know, discovering it randomly. Yes, it really helps. Word of mouth is the best thing you can do to support a podcast that you love. All right, let's get to Carly. Guys, Carly is back. We are so, so excited to have our friend Carly Heitlinger here with us again. Um, If by some chance you are a newer listener or you don't know who Carly is, well, first of all, we did a book club and a tell-all episode with her last year, but Carly is the founder of the lifestyle blog Carly the Prepster. She is just at Carly on Instagram, and um, we... She's our friend. Yeah, she's our friend. We just adore her. And she has some big news. She recently got engaged. I did. I can't believe it. I was thinking to myself, okay, it's been about 10 months since we last recorded, right? We recorded like the beginning of October. Yeah, you're right. I'm like, we've had a global pandemic. We've had various pandemic pivots. I've gotten engaged. I'm like, a lot has changed. Yeah, a lot has changed. We have a lot to catch up on. Also, I would like to point out that you, the listener, cannot see this, but she has one of her two very adorable dogs with her on the video chat right now. 
he has crashed the video chat. Um, I'm trying to keep him away from the microphone, but just trying to get things done during a pandemic. Is uh, that Ham or Teddy? This one's Hamilton, but it is really hard working from home with two dogs, and I can't imagine doing it with children. So I'd like to send out some major props to all the moms out there. <laughs> Seriously, sending strength. Yes. So, Our- Carly. Most of our audience is very familiar with you, but in the spirit of introductions, what is something that you would want a new follower to know about you? Yeah, what's the Carly 101? Yeah. I think the Carly 101 is that I am a blogger. I've been blogging for coming up on 12 years in December, and I have kind of grown up, for better or for worse, on the internet. So my entire 20s is thoroughly documented on my blog for better or for worse again. Um, But I feel like my readers have grown up alongside me, whether that they started reading when they were in high school and now they're in their mid twenties or they were in college with me and now they're entering their thirties with me. It's been kind of a fun journey. Yay. All right. (laughs) So quarantine life, how are you doing? I was actually in the shower today washing my hair thinking, thank God we didn't record this episode last week because I was in such a bad headspace for nine days, which I mean, this has been a very challenging time for everyone. I'm so grateful for health and having like a safe place to be and frankly, not being an essential worker, like all things considered, I'm, I'm super grateful, but at the same time, like it is a pandemic and it's been like anxiety inducing just to have a lot of unknown. And as a type A planner control freak, it's been very challenging to kind of let go of expectations and let go of plans. Some weeks are better than others. It is, I keep describing it as a roller coaster and like, I, I just, I, I'm overwhelmed by the ups and downs and the loop de loos and Today, I feel like I'm on like a nice, easy part of the ride, like more of it. It's a small world. And last week, I felt like I was on what's that elevator ride? Tower of Terror. Yeah, I felt like I was on Tower of Terror last week. So I'll take it to small world, even if it's creepy and even if it's a little weird. But uh, it's been hard. Yeah, I love the comparison to like Disney rides. I know, me too. Yeah, I'm not even a Disney person, so I'm not sure why I went there, but I feel like this has just been so surreal. And like they're calling it a once in a century situation. I'm like, I just didn't anticipate who plans for this kind of thing, like in the middle of your life. It's just so crazy. We got a lot of anxiety related questions. So we wanted to ask how have you been managing your anxiety during quarantine and COVID? On. One hand, I actually feel pretty well equipped to handle pandemic anxiety because I've dealt with anxiety my whole life. I know like back in March and April, there were a bunch of memes talking like introverted, anxious people saying like how they had prepared their whole life for this. Um, So in some ways, I'm so grateful that I had a lot of those tools in my back pocket, which included like, thank God for meditation. I don't know where I would be if I didn't have that practice already in place, I'm so grateful for like my workout routine, even if it's not what I'm used to going into a gym or whatever. Um, but even if I'm, I guess, even though I'm super well-versed in dealing with my anxiety and have had many years and slash decades of practice, 
this has still really thrown me for a curve ball, as I was mentioning. Like, I just feel like every week I'm kind of reevaluating how I feel and tweaking. And some weeks that means like not working out at all and just sitting on the couch and watching bad Netflix. And sometimes that means like, okay, I need to get outside and walk for two hours and do all the things so I feel productive. So it's kind of a art, not really a science at this point for me. Um, but I'm, you know, I like the, I just keep saying to all my friends and over and over in my head, like a mantra that it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Like it's a pandemic kind of anything goes. So if I need to extend a little bit of grace to myself for not getting something done, it's okay. Yeah. I think that that's really important to just give yourself grace, to give yourself a break. So we've talked about the bad parts of quarantine, but have there been any positives for you? Like what's been the best part of quarantine outside of your engagement, which we want to talk about as a whole separate bucket? We have a whole mic category. Okay, good. Yay. I will say one thing I was really nervous about was going into working from home, Mike and me at the same time, which again, I'm all things considered, we're in this amazing house. Like I feel really good about that, but I did not know how that was going to be. I'm used to working at home in my own space completely alone. And the first couple of weeks, it was definitely a transition, partly because we didn't know how long it was going to last. Like it sort of felt like maybe it was just going to be three or four weeks and then it became clear that it was going to be a much longer situation. And I've actually really enjoyed working from home with Mike. Like, I feel like I have a better understanding of what he does. And I know like a lot of people have a difficult time understanding like what partners do or explaining what they do. So I've kind of enjoyed like listening to some work calls and I love having lunch with him in the middle of the day. I like that he doesn't commute to work. We like just have a much nicer evening together because he's not coming home from an office. That's definitely been a positive. Do you guys work in the same space or do you stay in your office and then, oh, okay. Yeah. The biggest thing is I, we have two floors in our house. So I typically stay upstairs and he has kind of taken over the kitchen living room situation and it definitely works for us. He's on conference calls like almost all day and being able to come upstairs and like close my office door or work from our bedroom and close the door has been a godsend. Otherwise, I'd be sitting in a bathroom like in our old apartment or something <laughs> just to get some peace and quiet. I was going to say, Carly, are you still writing a book? Let's talk so, about that. Okay. The craziest thing is that I've weirdly had like amazing book opportunities come into my inbox. Um, I do feel like I'm cheating in some ways because as an influencer, a lot of publishers really just care about like how many books someone's going to sell more than anything else. So I definitely have like if I want to write a book, it sounds terrible and it kind of sucks that the industry is like this, but it's a much easier process to get in the hands of editors and like into publishing houses. The problem for me is I just have so many things I want to write. And then I, even though there's like a misconception that bloggers don't really have a lot to do during the day, I spend a lot of my day working. So it is really hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's really hard to find time to actually sit down and write. And I was doing really good at the beginning of the pandemic, like cranking out pages, cranking out pages. And then honestly, once Black Lives Matter took over, I went into like a pretty dark place in terms of my work productivity. And it was really hard to get back into writing after that for me. I also was like, does anyone need like another book written by a white lifestyle blogger? No. I will say it's probably like a current struggle that I'm dealing with in that regard. 
But you started a book. You were writing an actual started. book. And it's fiction. Yeah. yeah. It's not um, like a, a memoir. No, but the I mean, the funny thing is that like a month after I started writing that, or maybe like two months after that, I was contacted by a publisher to write more of a memoir business workbook type thing, which is a completely different type of writing. And I don't know where we stand on that right now. Like as, as, as everyone knows, we are in the middle of a pandemic, so who knows what'll happen, but it would definitely be a gear shift, but I'm excited about both weirdly. Is it, is that something you've always wanted to do? I've always wanted to write books again. Like part of it is like, I just feel like I need to be locked away in a cabin for a month. And I just don't have that luxury at this point in my life. But, um, I had gone to a conference last November for creatives and I'm not really that creative. I'm more business minded than I am creative minded. And, um, the conference was amazing. But at the last day, there was this whole brunch and people were just going around and kind of talking about their experience of, as, of starting creative businesses. And what I just kept hearing over and over again was that these were creative women who are so talented and have amazing ideas and incredible things that they're making, but have no idea how to run a business or they feel like they have imposter syndrome and they're com- comparing themselves to everyone on Instagram and feel like they're failing. So I stood up and gave like a 15 minute spiel on like everything I think people need to know about business. And I ended up coming home and writing like a 16 page PDF on it. And I, I, it was very exciting to write. Like I had never written that fast or that passionately before. So I was like, Oh, maybe this is actually a book. So that's kind of what the publisher was going to pick up on. So we'll see. Carly, what about needlepoint? We got a lot okay, so, of needlepoint questions. What's your favorite thing so you've that made was the recently? Other, that was the other thing I was going to say that I really enjoyed doing during quarantine is leaning into this creating physical product. Um, Grace, you might, and Becca too, you guys both create a lot of digital content. And there is something so satisfying about having an end result that you can touch and feel even if it's just going to like sit in my closet, which a lot of my needlepoint projects are at the moment, I'm obsessed. It's meditative. I feel like it's my own little voodoo doll. Like I, I really aggressively stab that canvas. <laughs> <laughs> and oh my gosh. Like it feels so good. It's so easy. It's mindless. It's literally paint by numbers with thread and a needle. And you, I just, man, when I get into the rhythm, it is like, it's like going to a punching bag and punching it feels so satisfying. That is the most hardcore way I've ever heard somebody describe needlepoint. (laughs) Yeah. I've never thought of it as something that would be like a source of like releasing aggression. Oh yeah. The way Carly does it is. Yeah. During the pandemic, I will say I've definitely become like a little bit more feisty with the needlepointing and like I, I really do get into this meditative rhythm with it. And I enjoy that it involves both my hands. So I can't be distracted by my phone, which has been my, I think that actually phone addiction has been my number one pandemic problem. Um, like I'm on my phone a lot pandemic or not, but now that I'm home all the time and don't have like life distractions to step away from the phone, the phone has become my world it feels gross. So like needlepoint is nice because I have a little hour, hour and a half break every night from my phone. That's good. That's really good. 
Okay, let's take an ad break to talk about pros. So this is really dorky, but I've been very excited for this ad because the first time I talked to you about pros, I'd only been using it for a few weeks, but now I've been using their shampoo and conditioner for about two months, and I am fully obsessed. So to catch you up, Pros creates customized shampoo and conditioner for people, not hair types. You go on their site and you take a pretty detailed quiz about your hair. So it asks you all the obvious stuff about your hair texture and your styling routine. But then it also asks you some less obvious stuff like your workout regimen and your zip code so that it can build in lifestyle factors. Then it formulates a unique blend for you based on your answers and your hair goals. So two of the main things that I wanted were less frizz when I air dry my hair and to normalize my somewhat oily roots so that I could go longer in between washes. And I am so happy to report success on both fronts. So those were just my goals. But the super cool thing is that their algorithm actually has 50 billion unique formula combinations. So what you get is completely personal to you and what you tell them on their quiz. And I'm excited to repurchase. I'm only about halfway through my bottle, so it'll be a while. But it asks you how the products delivered on your goals, and then it makes further tweaks if needed, and it also adjusts based on seasonal changes. I just think it's so smart. So I was kind of skeptical going into this, so I definitely think it's worth noting that if you're not 100% satisfied with the products you get, they will take them back, no questions asked. Also, Pros is a certified B Corp, which means that their products are sustainably sourced and cruelty-free. And if you have preferences like gluten-free, vegan, etc., they can also accommodate that. So, Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash B-O-P. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash B-O-P for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off your order. Let's get back to the episode. So the other big change that has happened since quarantine is that you got engaged. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We love love Mike and we're so excited. But what can you tell Um, us about wedding planning? So honestly, it's funny. I... I think we should include this, that when I filmed the last episode, we had talked about weddings and then I asked to have it cut because I was so self-conscious about it. And now that I'm actually, I didn't want to talk about weddings without being engaged. I felt I was like more concerned about just getting hated on by trolls. So I was like, let's just not even feed the beast. But now that I'm engaged, my whole opinion on the wedding situation has changed. Like it's been a full 180. Oh, and I, could possibly be just because there's a a pandemic and it to me this feels like something to look forward to and something really exciting and whereas before I think it felt really overwhelming to picture that now I'm like this this is actually something like really beautiful and nice and fun and exciting so maybe that has contributed but guys I love planning a wedding who knew Have you guys set a date yet or are you waiting until pandemic things shape up more to figure out when specifically? Um, We've set a date, which I think is really helping me because I am such a planner and I have absolutely nothing on the horizon that this feels a little bit more concrete. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll see. Obviously, there's a pandemic, so it has changed four times already. So, Oh, my God. Just... 
little changes here and there, like strange conflicts and what makes the most sense. And, you know, planning during a pandemic is interesting because it really forces you to prioritize what's important more than anything else, which I, I think is a good positive thing to come out of this, especially when it comes to weddings, because I just feel like a lot of it had gotten so carried away. And like for one person, if I were to get married, it would, it feels overwhelming that you'd have an engagement party, a bridal shower, a bachelorette party, a weekend. I don't want my friends spending like that much time and money on me because I know how it feels on the other end that it can be kind of overwhelming to have all those things. So it's kind of nice that it's boiling back down to like what's essential and really important. Yeah. Which is the marriage. Yeah. So speaking of your groom, what's your favorite thing about Mike? Gosh, I really feel like when I met him, he was just different than a lot of guys that I had been around. And I'd been around plenty of guys like growing up on a high school and men's college men's crew team. So I just know like a lot of different types of male personalities and on paper, he's not exactly like the guy that I would have thought I would go after. And then, but now that I know him and met him, I was like, he's so interesting. He is incredibly passionate about things he's passionate about, which I don't care if someone is like into basket weaving, if they're so into basket weaving that they, it just like lights up their world. I can get behind basket weaving. To be clear, is Mike really into basket weaving? He's not. No, he's not. (laughs) Although that would be great with my needlepoint obsession. It would be a good. I was like, I'm not picturing this, but like, I don't know him well enough to like know if he's a secret basket weaver. No, but he's just like, he's so into the constitution. And so like, he knows the constitution, like the back of his hand. And, you know, I know the basics from school or whatever, but like to hear him get so fired up and like when we're watching Hamilton and he's like getting choked up about like specific things that they're putting into the, you know, the constitution, it's like that kind of stuff just really makes me smile and he loves to cook and he's not just like the kind of guy who's like going to print off a recipe from the internet and follow it and be like, I love cooking. He's like, gets super thrilled about finding flavors and texture and trying new technique. And he'll watch like 15 YouTube videos on how to properly slice pork for the smoker and tweak it as he goes. Like, I think it's really fun to watch someone like just kind of love what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So Mike's pretty private. How are you thinking about balancing sharing the wedding on social or your blog versus respecting Mike's desire for privacy? Um, I mean, I think it's kind of a, as like I do everything in my life, it is a take things as they come situation. Um, But at the end of the day, Mike does know what I do for a living. And there are elements of it that it's celebratory. It's not as personal as a wedding is like, just seeing photos of someone's wedding doesn't necessarily mean that they were sitting there like listening to every vow and stuff like that. So I, I ultimately think our wedding will be very private, even if we share it. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And I'm excited. Like I really do feel like my audience has grown up with me and Mike is a huge part of my life. And I do share like bits and pieces of him, but we I'm really good about maintaining privacy in my own life in general. Like I think people think I share everything when I don't. And so Mike is just more private and people don't come to my blog for like 
you know, it's not the mic show. <laughs> yeah. They come for you. It's a blog about you and your life. Yeah. So, but I'm really excited about kind of just the next chapter. And it's weird to be thinking about like wedding and getting married during a pandemic. But again, I think it kind of just flushes out what's important and what, you know, what can you cut out of your life that just doesn't add to it? And what do you really want more of? Absolutely. And it's nice that it's a hopeful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Can you share any juicy details about what you've planned for the wedding so far or the proposal? The people want to know. We got lots of questions. The people are also us. The people are us. (laughs) We want to know. Well, we know some things offline, but. So for the wedding, we're really trying to keep things private leading up and most to be completely transparent. Like I'm leading with the idea that I don't want any negativity or like judgment around what we're doing. And so I just am not bringing it up at all because I don't want um, external stress. Like for some reason, when you tell people you're getting married, it, it was like my inbox turned into people's like venting sessions about like all the horrible things that have gone wrong in their marriage or in their wedding planning. Oh my God. Like, Is oh this my, your DMs was, or your email? DMs, emails, like comments, the whole, I just, I was really overwhelmed by the horror stories and I just wasn't expecting that. And so I have found like, I don't want people like chiming in and saying something about our wedding is going to be like bad and then it getting in my head. So I'm like, you know what? You can see it when it's done and it's already over. Yep. Uh, but the engagement itself, which is already behind us, obviously was so us. And I think that's something that I was really anxious about going in because just feel like the idea of getting engaged nowadays, it's like even just getting asked to prom, like people have promposals and I am not someone who does well with like a lot of eyes on me. And that's why I enjoy talking to hundreds of thousands of people via my phone because I'm actually alone in my room. But I was nervous, like, oh my God, I would I would rather die than like get engaged in a public place, like a restaurant or something, you know, like something where I feel like everyone's staring at me, especially strangers. And we did Mike proposed in our backyard and it was literally a complete surprise. Like I was in shock. Don't remember a single thing that he said, literally (laughs) not a single thing. (laughs) Like I, I remember realizing what was happening and I remember hugging him. Everything in between, complete blackout, blackout. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. And he was like, gosh, well, you know, I didn't, I guess I didn't have to practice everything that I said. I was like, I mean, you can tell me again, but in that moment, I didn't hear it. Aww. So it was a complete surprise. Were you involved at all in picking the ring or how did he pick the ring? No, I, I mean, as like, I feel like when you're in your late 20s, like early 30s, you're having conversations about this. Well, I guess it's just like a mod. I feel like it's more modern that women are more involved in that kind of stuff. Like I knew we were getting engaged. The plan was always to get married. But the pandemic kind of threw me for a loop. Like we had had a trip to Banff scheduled for the second week of March and that got canceled because of the pandemic. I just didn't know, like our time, original timeline definitely got, um, affected. And beyond that, I was like, well, maybe he's going to wait till we have a better sense of like what's happening in the world. And then I thought like it was going to happen in the summer, but I didn't think it was going to happen before he got a haircut. (laughs) 
which, <laughs> which I guess people were really confused by that. But Mike had been talking nonstop about his hair, like nonstop because he had let it go and he didn't want me to cut it at home. And so I knew when the barber shops were opening up and I was like, okay, it's not going to happen before that. Don't know why, but that's just what I had convinced myself. But sure enough, it happened before the barber shops opened back up. So it really threw me off. <laughs> it's funny how you like set that as your thing that is going to, oh, well, it can't happen until this. <laughs> yeah. And I had really made it clear that I was like, I don't care if I'm surprised or not. Like that wasn't something I was super one way or the other for. Like I was like, Mike, if we just like my parents had gotten engaged, like over a conversation, you know, it wasn't some big thing, but I think it was important to Mike that it was like more traditional, more surprise and having experienced it as a surprise. Genuinely, I'm like, I love the way it happened and it was private and in our backyard and just like, we had time to celebrate it without having to like open it up to anyone else in the world, which was really special. Cause I feel like so many times, like nowadays, like you don't have that time to savor the surprise. So it was really lovely. I loved it. <laughs> Talk to us about honeymoon. So in a fictional world with no pandemic, what would your dream honeymoon look like? My dream, dream honeymoon would be to go to Nantucket, like have a super private, big estate that was like just us. We had access to the beach, like had access to a pool and could literally just sit and be. I don't want to like travel halfway around the world to like some exotic beach you know, like I don't want to spend two days traveling kind of just want to get there and like settle into a nice routine, like someplace that I already know and love. That sounds really nice. And maybe this is like cheesy, but I kind of like the idea of having a honeymoon someplace different than when you get where you get married, but also like someplace that you definitely will go back to. Like if you go to Bora Bora, how many times you're going to go to Bora Bora in your lifetime? Whereas I know we'll have plenty of Nantucket trips in our future. So I like the idea of going to Nantucket and like, you know, having a, the place where you honeymoon, like always continuously part of your life. Yeah. I love that. It makes it even more special. Yeah. So we've talked about two Ps. We talked about the pandemic and the proposal. Can we talk about politics? Let's do it. I, this is, we got a lot. This is probably because- the safest place I feel comfortable talking about it. like more so on a podcast that isn't my own than even my own vlog probably. Let's do it. I feel the same way. Like I feel like sometimes on Instagram, like people things can get screenshotted or people will just like come at you in the DMs, whereas the the podcast feels like a safer space. So Yeah, my my biggest issue with talking about politics like in the past has been my blog is not political. It's not a place where you're gonna come to get like the news. And it never has been. It's a life and style blog. And it that's what it is. Um, however, this is just a different year. <laughs> it is. So For we, many reasons. We put the call out for questions the same day that you endorsed Biden. And so a lot of people were like, why is she getting political now? What's going on? So I guess I'd, I'd love to start with what, what brought about the decision to talk about politics and to endorse Joe Biden. So the first thing that happened, I knew in January, really, that I was going to talk about whoever was going to be on the ticket against Trump. Um, 
because I don't care who's on the ticket against Trump. I think that's like the bottom line. And I was like, in my head, I just kept saying like, once I get to August and once there's like, once we know who's running, once we know who's like on the ticket with him or her, whoever it may be, then I'll make a statement. But I was like, in my head, I just was like, I'll just wait till August. I'll wait till August. I'll wait till August. And then last week, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, like I just was having such anxiety about the state of the world. And I don't know, seeing Trump talk about like one week being gung ho for schools opening up because they're quote, totally safe. And then one week later being like, we need to pause the election because they're totally not safe. I was like, this is uh, like, I kind of just hit a breaking point. Frankly, I was like, this is ridiculous. This is beyond someone needs to, I don't take his phone away or something. I was like, this is ridiculous. How is this happening? Like, why are we here? And I just had enough. I really just like got sick of it. Have you always been political in your personal life outside of your blog or have you like not been particularly political as a person? So I've always been political as a kid. I really wanted to be a lawyer and become a judge. You'd be a great judge. Thank you. I... I mean, I was a nerd about it. I did teen court in high school, middle school and high school where, you know, you're, you're helping peers like get through challenging situations because they've been arrested for whatever reason. And I went to Georgetown, applied to Georgetown, like really thinking I was going to someday run for president, which isn't really that unique at Georgetown. I feel like 33% of the kids there want to run for president. You know, like you go to parties and kids have like, American flag pins on their lapels and stuff. No joke. However, in between my senior year of high school and my freshman year at Georgetown, which was 2008, I interned for the Republican Party of Florida on John McCain's campaign. And it was, I am so fortunate for that experience because it really opened my eyes to what politics is really like. And it's not kind of what I had in my head of like, oh, like everyone's moral and everyone's doing things for the right reasons. Like I was sitting in rooms as an 18 year old thinking to myself, these people are not that bright. These people are like people that are really persuading and making changes to history. I was like, I don't know if this is what I had envisioned. And I was so turned off by the whole experience that I was like, I don't want to be involved in politics at all, like personally, Mm -hmm. but I've always been really interested in it. And I have a ton of opinions, but I've partly been afraid to talk about it on my blog, at least because I'm not an expert. I, I don't study politics. Like I know I'm going to, at some point for sure, put my foot in my mouth. And I don't mind doing that with friends or family, like sitting around a kitchen table, like having a healthy debate. I don't want like my opinions on certain matters, just broadcasted and solidified because who knows, maybe I will run for something someday and it's going to be like her first public endorsement was for Biden, which, you know, like those are the things that will come out. We wanted to also talk about influencers and politics because I have feelings about this too. So what do you think our responsibility is here? Like I've heard, I we had somebody say, in the comments, like, oh, I'm unfollowing all the influencers that don't say something political or don't come out against Trump. And I I feel like that's dramatic. I think, you know, everyone is entitled to use their platform the way that they feel most comfortable. But I'm curious what you think an influencer's responsibility is right now. 
So unfortunately, I think an influencer is damned if she does, damned if she doesn't, totally. no matter what. So it, in a way, that's freeing because if you don't say something, there are going to be people who either interpret that as like being pro-Trump, frankly, or, at, you know, in this particular slice of where we are, or they're going to un- like be mad that you're not making a statement. On the flip side, if you make a statement, you're going to piss off people that are on the other side of the coin and B, there are people that don't come to your blog for that kind of content yeah, or whatever it is, your Instagram, your story, your TikTok, you know, whatever. And so I get both sides of it. Um, I don't think there's any responsibility for anyone uh, unless you are in the business of politics, frankly. I think that's like... I, and, and who's to say that the person that you go to for like your beauty advice or like Amazon cheap finds or what's going to be in the Nordstrom sale, is that the person that you need to go to to figure out who to vote for for president? I don't think that's, it's like going to the grocery store and asking for an, an iPhone. You know, it's like, well, I'm coming to the grocery store for essential items, but the Apple store is where you really go to get your phone. <laughs> No, I agree. I mean, I personally feel a responsibility to, sh- to share that on my platforms, but I would never judge another influencer for choosing not to. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think in terms of me f- kind of hitting a breaking point and actually saying something, I did feel like a weird, greater sense of responsibility in that regard. Like, it wasn't that I felt like I needed to share my opinion more so than I know that there are people out there who are like me. And this is my biggest issue with politics and why I'm so disgusted by the whole idea. One, I really just don't believe politics should be a career. And that's what we have career politicians right now. And I think you have to be a little bit insane to run for president. Like, you know, everything about your life is going to be drug up. And that to me is my biggest thing. I was like, well, I would never run for president because I don't want my life on display like that. Even if I thought I was going to, you know, be the, this is not me saying that I'm the best person, but like in, you know, vacuum, I would be so afraid for president. (laughs) You know what? Carly Fiorina actually has that domain. Oh, really? Why didn't I think of that? I should have bought it. Yeah. That's so funny. I get tagged in a lot of Instagrams with photos of her, which is kind of funny, but, um, I just think you have to be a little bit insane. And right now I have in my whole adult life, haven't really found a candidate that fully stands for everything that I believe and that I want represented in the government. And like, that's what a democracy is, is that not everyone can have a vote. So you vote to elect someone to represent your beliefs. And I just don't, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I've been registered both. Like I, people are always up in arms that I was a registered Democrat, which I changed or registered Republican, which I changed this year. I don't really like resonate. Either party doesn't resonate with me. And so I feel like if I feel this way and there are issues that I feel more conservative, there are a lot of issues that I feel more liberal. I don't really consider myself liberal and I don't really consider myself a conservative. And so I just haven't found someone that speaks to me. And if I'm feeling like that, I'm sure that there are other people, especially white women who we know based on all the polls, like essentially voted for Trump. And I'm like, okay, this is my audience. I'm just going to go out on a limb because 
I also feel like I have heard from a lot of people who are just like, I'll just sit this election out. Like, I don't want to vote for Biden for whatever reason. And I don't want to support Trump for many reasons. So I just won't vote. And my whole thing is like, at this point, if you're not voting for Biden specifically, you are voting for Trump. Whether that means like voting for a write-in, voting for a third party, like people kept damning me back. I'm just waiting for like a really solid third party. I'm like, honey, it's August. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. You ha- no, like, yeah, exactly. We have two choices. What two is- choices? <laughs> Trump or not Trump? That's what it comes down to. What has been the response to your statement? Did you lose followers? I did. Um, I didn't look to see how many I lost because I didn't want to know, but I dropped down like, you know, a thousand. The response was a lot more positive than I was expecting, which was a relief. And the negative response was exactly what I thought it would be. Like I knew exactly who I was going to alienate when I did it. And I just took the risk anyway. But I would say like the majority of the responses, which I turned off my DMs. And so then people felt like I was turning off my DMs for like the negativity. But then I ended up with like 2000. DMs positive, which was very nice. I was like, oh God, I'm I'm overwhelmed from both sides. Carly, we're gonna switch gears a little bit and talk about blogging. This is what I call the pandemic pivot. You just switch gears. Pandemic <laughs> pivot. Yeah, there's been a lot of that. So I'm curious because we you and I have talked about this separately offline, but what about blogging during COVID? What have been the negatives? What have been the positives? Um I'm curious to hear your take here. I feel like you and I have like texted a lot about this and it's interesting. There have been a ton of more positives than I expected, but obviously some negatives. The hardest part for me by far was the, at the beginning when I just was, didn't know what the hell to do. Yeah. And, um, it's, it was really challenging for me and Grace, I don't know like where your audience sits, but. I was talking about things a couple weeks before other states were like getting on board with things. And so there was this strange period where I was like, we are going into quarantine. Everyone needs to social distance. Here's how to make masks. And like half of the country was like, we're still at the beach. Like everything's fine. You guys are insane. It's just a New York city problem. And then it like dripped down this quite literally like dripped down the country. Um, so that was the hardest part for me. And at the beginning, interestingly, like the mask thing, I, it was a huge point of contention for me and a lot of like my, um, Instagram followers in particular, which I wasn't expecting because it seemed so straightforward and that we didn't have enough masks in hospitals. And so making masks was like a really positive thing. Yeah. And people were like blocking me for talking about making masks, which now in August, when you go to the grocery store and everyone's wearing their handmade masks, I was like, I told you. (laughs) You were like, I was ahead of this curve. Yeah. 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 I got some, some, um, criticism for affiliate linking masks and in like shopping roundups. And I'm like, but that's what people are buying right now. Like this is what people want to find. So I think there was a really big push, um, at the beginning where people were like, this is going to be the bubble that pops all the influencers. And there was like some celebrating of that. Oh, every article, every day there was a new article about how our industry was going to be demolished. Yeah. And 
the end of the influencer. Yeah. Which really made me sad for a lot of reasons, partly because one, I don't think anyone should wish away someone's job ever, you know, livelihood, career industry, unless they're doing something really horrible. Like if someone's just doing their job and promoting whatever, let them, you know, like a fashion influencer, does it really affect your life if you don't like them? But yeah, I think that was like a struggle and, but everyone's just trying to do their job. And frankly, like every single company was pivoting at that time. You know, it feels like a different lifetime ago to think back to like J crew putting cotton masks on their, their site for pre-order. I was like, wait a minute, like retailers are doing this too. Yeah. So Now Definitely. flash forward, like every fashion brand is like, can we send you our new masks? So I'm like, can I we have send too you many masks. <laughs> can we send you like hand sanitizer? And here's like some good loungewear from working from home and yeah. whatever. So it's definitely, I, that was the hardest part was like constantly having to be like not too early and what you were talking about, but also not too late and being respectful. So you didn't get canceled and like following the rules and setting it, setting a good example. Like one thing my friends and I have talked about a lot is how the pandemic, and I think this speaks specifically to influencers too, is like before this, you didn't really care what your friends did or what your followers did, like when they weren't posting, like I go to your blog for certain things. Do I really think on a day-to-day basis, like what you're doing at your home? No, like it's your home. It's your free time. It's your private time. Like you can do whatever you want, but in a pandemic when there's like social rules that people were either blatantly following or dis- or blatantly disregarding. I think then you found you were having to come to terms with like someone's morality a little bit from their actions where we, d- nine months ago, that wasn't the case. Like you didn't yeah. think if someone was getting on a plane to go travel that they were being kind of a, a shitty person, you know? I mean, yeah. even though technically like plane travel is terrible for the environment, but that's a different issue. Like you didn't think about people's actions as being so detrimental. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, like, is this an influencer? Or is this a person I want to support or even be friends with when they're like, they don't care if they're going to get other people sick. It's definitely a weird thing. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of what the word is for it, but it was like the, for the first time, like an influencer's actions could really like be so powerful and impactful. Like somebody you know, getting on a, going on a cross country road trip or somebody getting on a plane and then not only making that decision in their life, but choosing to show to that show it. with half a million other people and set that Especially example. Especially when there was so much unknown then. Yeah. Um, when it was like, we, who knows, like it could have been 50 times more deadly than it actually is. And like, did that decision, like you could actually kill people. And, you know, that was an interesting time I was, I still am, I think more heightened. I'm so terrified of saying or doing anything that's going to like get me canceled. I'm always scared of getting canceled. (laughs) But, but don't, do you feel like it's a little bit more intense than usual? Yes. But I also think that the people that are worried about getting canceled are probably the least likely to be canceled because I just see so much reckless behavior out there. And like you or I would never do that. No. And even like when we had, I mean, now it's, it's hard to think about like what we choices we were making in March and April, like versus now. Cause I think one of the hardest parts for me was like when New Jersey opened up to different phase and we were allowed to see, like do things a little bit more. I was like, how can I make this clear that I'm 
being really conscious in my decisions and not just being like flippant in what I'm doing. Um, cause it, it's so easy to just be binary, do or don't that yes. gray area is so difficult to, it's a fine line to walk. And, um, yeah, I, I was, I was just worried about everything I doing, like setting a bad example. I know. I agree. On another topic in the blog influencer bucket, somebody wanted to know, is the influencer world clicky? And what is it like navigating friendships in the blog slash influencer world? I think it's clicky. I I think it's clicky in that there are people and companies that are considered cool. And like, if you're not in that bucket or you're trying to be in that bucket, but you're not in that bucket, like there's judgment against that. And maybe it's, I think it's more on like the YouTube side of things and like that trickling into Instagram. But, um, I mean, it was like, I lived in Connecticut for three years and like that blogging space changed. It morphed completely by the time I left. And I was like, I don't know if I like want to compete with stay-at-home moms who are starting like lifestyle websites and they're quote-unquote full-time influencers but you know I'm like this isn't and you're feeling like left out because you're not invited to things then I'm like do I actually want to be invited to these things and so I try to just stay in my own lane like focus on me and people that I'm friends with in real life who happen to be bloggers like obviously it's the industry I'm in so I'm going to meet people but I'm not I don't take it personally if someone doesn't click with me and I I just have to be like, okay with the fact that I can't be friends with everyone and I don't really want to, Yeah, but it's hard. I think the harder part comes from like companies when it doesn't matter if someone's like going to convert or give like the best work or have the most sales for, you know, a campaign that they're just going to go with someone who has like the right aesthetic or vibe. I'm like, okay, that person like bought all their followers and I get that you think it's like they're cool because they have this and that, but like they're not going to do anything for you. So that, that bothers me. I don't know if that's like clicky. I think, no, I think that there's like these like influencers that are considered cool and popular. And I don't know. I, I'm with you. I Clicky that's, might that's, be the wrong word, but there's definitely like something. Like there's like a trend about there's like an air of like coolness, kind of like the mean girls table at like, you know, high school. It's, that's how it more feels like. And now, Granted, I really loved my seat at the nerd table, so I'm like not complaining, you know, at all. <laughs> I but love there my is seat definitely at the nerd those table. Tiers. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like yeah. where I am. I like what I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I'm, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, okay, does that beauty brand like realize I, you know, I love that stuff. If we worked together, I would sell so much more, and I you would have about- to pay me like a fifth of that. What that yes. million dollar Instagram is charging. I know. I've I've had the same feeling a lot of times and just it's it can be so infuriating, but I think you and I have both worked really hard to create spaces where it is it's not about being cool. It's come sit down with us and like be a part yeah. of our like kind of nerdy girl table. Yeah, and I so I'm in a ton of like Facebook groups for influencers yeah. and like I love, I'm always commenting in yours. Do you ever see my comments? Yes, I do. I get like, notifications and I love it. Like three times a day. I'm like, Oh yeah, I've got an answer for this person. <laughs> and I ask questions too, but I feel like in our groups, you can really get a sense. It's like a, such a great demographic sliver. Like you get a sense of what people are interested in. And I like, it makes me even more grateful for my followers because you get to know them on 
on a different level. And I'm like, I love the people in your group. I love the people in my group. I feel like they're interesting. They have like tons of stuff going on in their career focus, but they also like fashion and accessories and beauty, but they're not like single-minded on like one aspect of their life. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally The questions they like to read, they share funny things. Like that makes me feel like really happy with the community I built, you built. Yeah. So this is kind of a weird question. I don't know if you'll feel comfortable answering it, but somebody wanted to know what types of things do you usually avoid sharing on the blog slash Instagram? Um, mostly I like a lot of stuff with my friends. I don't share. Obviously I've talked about like not sharing stuff with Mike. Like I would never air ever air like relationship, dirty laundry, you know, like stuff like that. Friends, like when I'm hanging out with my friends, I really just want to be with my friends. Like it's complicated because I feel like on one hand, there's definitely a pressure to post about like what you're doing with different people because it makes you seem more interesting. But then at the same time, I'm like, A, I never want friends that are only hanging out with me for like Instagram clout. I don't want like hanging out with friends to be photo shoots because I as fun as they can be there, if it's not realistic, like I don't want to worry about my hair and makeup hanging out with a friend. Yeah. So that that's probably the biggest thing. And the, the flip side of that is I think people think I don't have friends. Like, <laughs> well, no, I, I have friends and I do things with friends a lot. I, I literally just don't share it or bring it up. I'm like probably don't even take photos of it. So according to like the internet, they don't exist, but they very much exist in real life. And of course me saying it is just like, it sounds like, no, I swear I have I friends. Swear, I, I got no, friends. I really do. <laughs> it's like a George Glass situation. Curly yeah, has like, friends. I swear. Yeah. Um, and like, what's been interesting, this is kind of a funny pandemic thing, but I feel like because so many people are not hanging out in person and I have lived in six different states and have moved, I moved a lot as a kid and went to a d- ton of different schools and like tons of camps and like nerdy camps, like students against destructive decisions and yearbook camps and like met so many people along the way. And like, weirdly, I feel like I've been connecting with people that I hadn't, that I didn't hang out with on a daily life in my pre-pandemic life. But now I'm like talking to these people again. And it's been so fun to reconnect with like different parts of my life friends. Yeah. Wait, we have one last blogging related question. All right. What do you got? So you're really close, speaking of friends, you're really close with Mike's family, especially his sisters. Now, somebody asked, what do they think of the blog and do they read it? They definitely follow me on Instagram. They like watch my stories and interact with me on that on there. I don't think they read my blog, but they have friends that either before I met Mike read my blog. And so that has been funny because they're like, do they know that, you know, I think sometimes I can come across as like a fictional character to a lot of people if they don't know me in real life. And so they have this like idea of what I am based on like their own experiences as they've read my blog. And so they think it's funny just being like, oh, no, we know like the real Carly, (laughs) like we know how you are in person. And like there's just they have a running joke. One of the sisters in particular that she just has like tons of photos of me doing like really weird goofy things that they're like, oh, you know, we're just going to do a tell all on like what the college preps are like really like or whatever. So that's funny. But I, I mean, I don't sit around like talking about 
sometimes we do talk about work stuff, but like, I don't know, we have like a more normal relationship than me talking about like what I do. Yeah. I think that's pretty normal. It's interesting. And when I'm with them, like I, we take photos and stuff, but I feel like I don't feel like pressure to post it or whatever, but it's, I will say if you are getting into a relationship with someone, I cannot emphasize how important it is to like their family because it is so much fun going on family vacations with them because I, I'm friends with his siblings. I wanted Mike's family to adopt me at your Christmas party. Yeah, you met them all. They are so great. His dad is so dynamic and interesting. He was giving us all these book recommendations. His sisters were the podcast girls. He's always like, (laughs) "How podcast girls doing?" That's so cute. Yeah, his sisters were so sweet and just nice girls that anyone would want to be friends with. And And, like, they are hilarious and like. And could, I couldn't be more different than they, like, they're definitely, they were really cool and popular in high school and college. And I was obviously the opposite. And so like, it's a very funny dynamic as adults to be like, oh, well, I am very much still the nerd. And so hanging around people that were like, definitely cooler is funny. Although Mike's sister's husband, so his brother-in-law and I are in a like three month nerd war to see who's the bigger nerd <laughs> who's winning <laughs> it like we're neck and neck because we're just both very nerdy <laughs> I love that yeah and Our- like we get along because we're like the in-laws you know so we are we're not a siblings so we have like a different relationship with everyone in the family and sometimes we're just sitting in the back like while everyone's going after something and we're just like oh my god these people are crazy good thing we're not related to them but you know <laughs> all right carly are you ready for the random bucket we just yeah, have three questions left for you okay how do you manage to only follow 50 people on instagram god i want to know how people manage to follow like more than that I can barely keep up. <laughs> Part of it is that I get just like psycho and I need to like clear all the stories out and I get really overwhelmed. Is it a one in one and- out policy? Like what happens if you find somebody new and then you're like, but my bench is, is full. So I ebb and flow. Okay. I try to make, keep things like moving so that people can't go in and like see who I've unfollowed because I don't, it sounds like a snub to like unfollow someone, but to me it's, it's just more like your content isn't serving me at this moment. It doesn't mean that it's bad content. Like I cannot stand grocery store hauls. I can't. You've said that to me. I remember, well, I remember one time you can tell me if we need to cut this, but I was like, Carly, you followed me on Instagram. Carly and I have been friends forever. Carly did not follow me. And I was like, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I was like, you followed me. Like what brought this about? And you were like, well, I had room because I unfollowed somebody who was posting grocery store hauls. Well, the other thing too, and like, I actually read blogs. Yes. I, like, I feel like I'm one of the dying breed. Who, like, I do too. I read like 20 blogs a day. And so if I'm reading, like, if I'm reading someone's blog religiously every single morning and the only content on their Instagram is like what I just read in the morning. That frees up a It's space. redundant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... I get like annoyed if people are doing like unsafe things like driving while talking on the phone. Like I get anxiety or sometimes I'm like, this was a little bit of an overshare in like your child's privacy. And so then I feel uncomfortable, you know, like I sometimes like, do I need to know like every detail? So I just, 
I mix things up, but most of the people actually think everyone I follow is someone I know in real life. Yeah. Do you or have I've a- met, except for Selma Blair, who I really enjoy following. <laughs> do you have like a stalking account? Like, how do you just have fifty people between like? I assume you have to follow Mike's sisters, like your child. No, I don't. I just started following Mike, like when we got engaged. (laughs) (laughs) And he left me like I was, he wouldn't approve me for like five days. So no, I don't, I really like, and that's the thing because people get like offended. They're like, I can't believe you don't follow me or I can't believe you don't follow that person. I'm like, up until a month ago, I literally didn't even follow my boyfriend. Like, I'm close to unfollowing my mom. I just, I like to see when <laughs> she likes my photos and, and watches my stories. But I'm like, I, it's, to me, it's. It is ruthless out there. It's ruthless. Yeah. But like, okay, I spend so much time on my phone. Yeah. Like, the last thing I want to do is like, watch other people's stuff. And I, it has really helped because I created a bookstagram so I can follow all of the book stuff in oh, one yeah. bucket. And then I created a stitch needlepoint account which people were like oh my god like do you need an account for every single one of your hobbies I'm like it is really just so I can follow other people without it clogging in my main thing like if there was a way that I could do like group people in Instagram I would follow a thousand people but the way it is set up right now it is so bad for your mental health to be following so many people and just being like inundated yeah switching gears what are your favorite snacks between besides Cape Cod potato chips? Oh, and do you have a favorite flavor of Cape Cod potato chips? And might I just add, I was supremely jealous of your Cape Cod potato chips sponsorship as they're one of my favorite snacks, and I'm from Cape Cod. I was like, very, very. All right, sad. I'll hook you up, just like the Duncan. So <laughs> funny enough, Carly did help me get my first Duncan campaign. Fun fact. Which now I love that you were like their spokesperson. It is I'm so totally amazing. Not. I'm totally no. not. That last one was through Post Cereals, not Duncan. So what? You're all decked out in the gear. I love it. Yes. Um, so Cape Cod chips. I think people think I have like a really unhealthy diet, but I need so much sodium. And I, especially when I'm stressed, like this is like a little bit off topic. I have lost so much weight during the pandemic. Really? Oh my God. Like I dropped to my junior year of high school weight, which like I hadn't even really fully gone through puberty at that point. So like I'm talking low and we're having very different pandemics. (laughs) Well, it's like, I don't, I get so stressed and then I'm like, I feel like I'm going to throw up at any given moment. And so I can't, it's hard for me to eat. So I've had to switch gears a little bit and I was having this, I faint a lot. And for like six weeks, Every single time I stood up, I mean, literally every time I stood up, I thought I was going to pass out. And like a couple of times, you know, almost like really went out and the Cape Cod chips are like the only thing that make me feel good. But they came out with these wavy chips and they have a like jalapeno flavor that are, but then in terms of the regular, like the cracked pepper. Okay. Mm, I'm an original gal myself. I'm also Ooh. original, you but I want the wavy ones now. That sounds you can't delightful. go wrong with any of them. The taste of summer surprisingly good. The first two chips you'll hate, and then like you can't stop eating. Do you know what's Highly super recommend. upsetting? Is so I used to live in California, and Cape Cod potato chips taste different in California. Like I think it's they have like a different production <gasps> center. But different I remember water maybe it could be the water. I don't know, but I remember buying them a couple of times, or maybe it's just like because they travel further 
they, it's stale. I don't know. But I was like, these aren't good here. Oh, that's so sad. That is depressing. It's super I depressing. I would struggle. So, I would have to have my mom like mail me some East Coast Cape Codders. You know? Yeah. So it makes me very happy now that I live in New York and have easy access to Cape Cod chips, which are the best chips. I agree with you. Yeah, they're the They're best. so good. And I like my mouth to like kind of hurt. Like, you know, I need a point aggression. I like to like really crunch because I grind my teeth in general. So like I like that. Crunch. What about your favorite non-Cape Cod potato chip snack? I have a huge sweet tooth. So like anything candy. I've been on a really big good and plenty kick. Ooh, oh, interesting. Yuck. Very weird. That's a big yuck for me as well. So I kind of hate them. <laughs> That's even but better. They're licorice, eating. right? Yeah, but like some are hard and some are soft. So like when you're eating them, it's it's an experience. <laughs> it start yeah, it's very weird. It started with like a trip to a gas station back in January. And I was like so stressed. I was like anxious. And I was like, I just want to treat myself to like candy. I was I was having some like weird health issues and I got a box of the good and plenty. I don't know why. It just like called out to me. Hated the whole experience. But then every time I put the box down, I kept going back for more. And I've been hooked ever since. I have a whole stash of them in our pantry. I don't know what to say about that, but I think it's hilarious. Yeah. So that's been my go-to. Okay. Last question. And I think we asked you this last time, but it came up again. And I hope I hope you have a new answer. What is the biggest misconception about you? Gosh, it's so hard because I feel like I know myself so well. I think people think I am like miserable or something or like that I because I talk about my anxiety a lot. I think people think I must not like live a fulfilling life or something. And anxiety is definitely a part of my experience as a human on the planet. It just is. It's who I am. It's it's in my DNA. I have, thank God, gotten a lot of my anxiety under control over the past few years and live a better life because of it. But like, even if I'm at my very, very worst anxious level wise, I still kind of have a good outlook on life. And like, I can kind of separate like, okay, I'm feeling anxious, but like, I still really like where I am. I like what I'm doing. I I, like love our house. I love Mike. I love my dogs. I love my job. And yeah, there's things about my life that suck just like anyone else's or stuff that's harder than others. But I'm like, you know what? Life is actually pretty good. You know, the pandemic has been a challenge, but I like, I'm not like little miss sunshine necessarily, but I definitely am like optimistic and I can have fun doing pretty much anything, which I feel like maybe people don't see like the fun side of me as much because I'm a little bit buttoned up on the Instagram, but like, I think I'm fun. I think you're fun. Thanks guys. I just don't want to eat candy with you. No, I That's our, don't. Well, no, but you can have the good stuff and you can leave all the bad stuff to me. I like, I, maybe it's like a form of self-punishment. I don't even know, I, but I can't stop. <laughs> really, like good and plenty. It's like I haven't seen those since trick-or-treating as a kid and just being like horrified. My dad ate them. I think they're like- Okay, a- it's just, it, you know what's really disgusting is if you bite half of one and look at the inside because it's licorice, but like the outside's so cute and like white and purple. <laughs> and then the inside, you're like, this is disgusting. Is it just black inside? It's like yeah, tar. Like, a, like a licorice. Yeah. Ugh. But man, they're good. Well, that's where we're going to leave it. Yeah. The inside of a good and plenty. But before <laughs> we let you go, you've earned your own desperation minute. Can you tell people 
where they can follow you and find you on the internet, anything they can do to support you, anything they need to know. My website is carlytheprepster.com. I publish posts every single day. So if you want lots of stuff, that's where you can find the most of it. And then on Instagram, I'm just at Carly. What about your book club and your needlepoint ones? Oh, my book club, Carly's book club. I need to be better about posting, but bookstagrams are the bomb. If you need like wholesome content in your life, just follow a bunch of bookstagrams. And then my stitch club is Carly's stitch club and all sorts of needlepoint and sewing fun. Go follow her. Yes, do it. You're going to love it. Thanks, guys. Okay. So let's get into some end matter, please. Okay, let's talk about Instagram. What is your Instagram obsession this week? Okay, so I don't have one. The theme of this whole thing is that I'm kind of slacking um, this week because I've been busy. So I haven't followed anyone new. But it is worth noting that I am meeting somebody who I'm obsessed with on Instagram. So you've heard me talk about Grossy Pelosi before. He's We were na- in a fight about Grossy Pelosi. His name is Dan. He lives in Brooklyn. He's... Um, a home chef and I was cooking a ton of his recipes and stuff at the beginning of quarantine and talking and like obsessed with him. He also just seems like a great person. So then he started following Grace and not me. And I don't know what Grace said to him. She won't tell me. But then he followed me and he was like, FYI, you, me and Grace are best friends now. So I'm very excited for our best friendship. We need to get him on the podcast too. We do. I think he'll be a great guest. Me too. This is one of those times. It's really ironic because do you know how I'm like not interested in new friends when they're too thirsty. Yeah. I'm the thirsty friend. You're very thirsty. You need to chill. I don't think I do. We'll see what happens. I think he's going to be our our third tripod leg and look forward to gross on paper. Yeah. He's going to, um, he lives in Bedsty too. So he's close. I'm so excited. Yeah. Tell me about yours. So I have two. The first one is an illustrator. She is British, but lives in California. Um, her handle is at Gemma Corell, C-O, it's, so it's Gemma with a G, Gemma Corell, C-O-R-R-E-L-L. And she is just very clever. She, the thing that really got on my radar was she had this illustration of like her six favorite dresses and they were all like tents and caftans. And I was like, oh, like I like her. They're also like humorous illustrations. Yes. Yeah, I like her too. The next one is, I'm going to just spell it because it's a hard name to say. Grace, G-R-E-C-E, so it's like Grace, but with an E, Ganem, G-H-A-N-E-M, and she is like the most chic older woman ever. Like, I want to be her. She's beautiful. She has great style. Um, Oh, yeah. Alex was talking about her. Alex was down visiting, and she's like, I just started following the most incredible woman on Instagram, and I was like oh, let me check her out. Like she, her content is so aspirational, but like cool. Like I just think she's a great follow. So highly recommend her. Not sure how old she is, but she's got silver hair. She's beautiful. I would, um, I would like to, to be friends with her. Well, she lives in Montreal, so I don't know how likely that is, but I just started following her. She is very aspirational. Yes. I really like her style and her outfits. What about on the obsessions front? On the obsessions front. Oh, I have two this week. So the there two are there are two launches from two of my favorite brands. The first one is 
Um, it's called Family Gold by Local Eclectic. And Becca and I are both big fans of Local Eclectic. But this is their new line of delicate pieces. Um, and it's all like heirloom quality fine jewelry, but mostly under $200. So they have, um, they sent me this beautiful pearl pendant that I love, but they have these little diamond ear huggies. They have like some just really nice, simple gold chains, like great delicate stuff. Um, and the other one is Tanya Taylor, who everyone knows is my favorite. I feel like recently her summer collection was one of my obsessions, but um, they just launched new summer pajamas. So they had sent me a set of their fall pajamas, which I loved. Um, The cool thing about their their pajamas is that they are all made from excess fabrics. So it's like part of their sustainability initiative um, in that it uses up all those fabric scraps. So there's one set of pajamas that's tangerine with like blue polka dot accents that I love. And there's also a robe, which um, it's I made- love a robe. Love a robe. And it's all made out of like that silk from their dresses. Ooh. So very into all of it. Okay. So I have um, two positive obsessions and one negative obsession. So my positive obsessions are that I've been really obsessed with this fruit salad of like melon with tagine on it. And so I do like watermelon and honeydew and pineapple with tagine, which is like um, chili powder and lime and salt. Yeah. And if you are ever in Mexico, like they put it on a ton of fruit. But I've been very obsessed with that as a snack. And I also got a melon baller, Ooh. which was two ninety nine at the grocery store. Yeah. And it's making me really happy to have an aesthetically pleasing fruit salad. I love that. So I'm very into that. That's my positive obsession. My negative obsession is that on Friday, I did something bad. What did you do? I got an ad on Instagram for this game and I was like, yeah, I'm kind of stressed. It would be like nice to have like a mindless game to play. I asked her if she wanted to hang out and she's like, I'm sorry, I'm stressed. I'm working and it's partially because I found a new game on Instagram and played it all day. I know. I got so sucked into this game. It's called Numberzilla and basically it's that you have to match like numbers or numbers that add up to 10 on this board and you're spo- you're supposed to clear the board. The game is fine. It's like fucking impossible to win. So and the problem is is that there aren't levels. So there's not like a natural stopping point. Grace, this game is so addictive. It has become a problem. I deleted it from my phone once this weekend, but then I reinstalled it. I have spent tens of dollars on extra lives and stuff are you the person who's made who makes fun of me for my candy crush obsession yeah and until friday i was i love candy crush i played that a little bit this weekend but i i only play it for like 10 or 15 minutes at a time well i don't recommend this game stay away from it if you see it do not download it unless you would like to waste hours of your time like if you were bedridden in i don't know what scenario like this would be a good game for you Oh, my God. If you're looking to lose hours of your life. Oh, my God. It's a problem. Okay. I'm hoping I just get sick of it. I can tell you that having been playing Candy Crush, I'm at, I'm nearly 3,000 levels in, and I am not sick of it. Interesting. Yeah. This is kind of similar. It's like Candy Crush with numbers. Oh. Grace is just like, like poked up. I know. I love Candy Crush, and I like numbers, uh. so... Could be for me, but I'm not going to download it. Don't. Don't do it. Yeah. What about reading? 
So I read a great book, which I just passed to you. Um, It's called They Wish They Were Us by Jessica Goodman. I believe it comes out this week, August 4th, I think is the pub date. It is. Um, It's wonderful. It's been compared to... It's been compared to One of Us is Lying meets Gossip Girl. Um, and it's great. It's got all the stuff that we love. It's got rich, unsupervised teens um, at this really fancy elite prep school in Long Island. It's got a secret society. Oh, sold. It's got murder. Fucking sold. It's a great book. It's by Jessica Goodman. Jessica actually edited my piece when I wrote for Cosmo about being oh. an influencer during a pandemic. And I got to know her then. And she, I was like... Like, tell me about yourself. And she's like, oh, yeah, I, I'm writing this book, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this book sounds squarely in my interest. And she just sent me a copy. So I read it in a night. I literally stayed up all night Friday night reading it, passed it off to Becca. Can't recommend it enough. Also, Jessica just seems like a good person. So always like supporting people that are nice. But besides the fact that she's nice and smart, her book is amazing. Can't wait. Um, and then last night I started, I've, I'm about 100 pages in um, to Monday is Not Coming by Tiffany Jackson. So Tiffany Jackson is my newest um, author obsession. She um, wrote Allegedly, which I talked about a couple weeks ago here, and she writes these YA thrillers. Um, and I'm not sure what's going on here, but basically this girl – shows up to school and her best friend is missing and no one can no one seems to care or anything but i know that she's found a year later i don't know if she's found alive i don't know if she's dead i don't know much i don't think i'm going to read that one but i did pre-order her next book which comes out in september and it's called grown and it sounds so good um i love her writing like i think she is so talented so definitely recommend allegedly and now monday is not coming i've also pre-ordered grown so it's just she's just great. I like everything she writes, and they're like page turners and fun. Um, and I love a good YA thriller, which seems to be my theme this this week. Yeah. So between rom com pods and Numberzilla, I have not done a lot of reading. Um, so I finished Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall, which is the gay British rom com that I was reading last week. Oh yeah, you were talking about that. I thought it was delightful. It was just like very fun and sweet. So loved that. Um, and I don't know what I'm going to pick up next. But if you are looking for a book, we are so excited about our August book club pick. So we are reading The Comeback by Ella Berman. And it is about a young Hollywood starlet who got famous as a teenager and um, was sexually and emotionally abused by the director who made her famous. So she took a year out of the spotlight and moved home with her parents in Anaheim and comes back to Hollywood um, to make her come back in acting and also to take her revenge on her abuser. And it is kind of the perfect combination of soapy and topical. Um, I can't wait to discuss it. I was really surprised by this book in that I picked it up and I it was a Friday night. I was like, I'm going to read 50 pages and then I'm going to watch a movie or something. And all of a sudden I'd read 200 pages and I was like, I need to know what happens. It's a great, great book. So good. I'm so excited to talk about it with you guys. So we'll be discussing that on the last Wednesday of August. In the meantime, if you would like more of us, you can join our Facebook group. You can follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. 
I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.